0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and I can't believe that 2024 marks 10 years of podcasting. Over the last decade, I have had the pleasure of talking with hundreds upon hundreds of passionate outdoors men and women who share the same excitement for hunting as I do. Whether you hunt public lands or private property, shoot traditional archery equipment or high powered rifles, we all have one thing in common and that's our love for the great outdoors. This year, I plan on continuing that tradition and bringing educational and entertaining content to your ears. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you all have the best seasons of your life. Good vibes in, good vibes out. What the hell is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host Dan Johnson, and today marks—I don't know what is it Mark? It marks me only shed hunting this past week. I don't even know. It sounded cool, but then I lost lost track of what I was saying. So anyway, uh, man. It's gorgeous out in Iowa. Sheds are starting to fall. I would say about 60% of the deer, when I checked trail cameras this past weekend, are still holding. Uh, there are a, a couple bucks that look like they have some pretty big pedicles uh, where they've fallen off. But there's a lot of medium to little deer left holding. And of the bucks, my my guesstimate is a oh, about 60% still holding and so within the next two weeks they're going to be dropping like flies and I'm hoping to get back out. In this episode you're going to hear me talk about how excited and and happy I was uh, when my daughter found her first shed ever. Uh, You're going to hear me talk about my strategy moving forward with trail cameras and uh, mock scrapes and Ropodope system, which is one of our, our sponsors of Code Blue Sense there. And I feel like it has such a big impact on how I hunt. I mean, the last time I can remember having I don't I don't want to call it an aha moment, but the last time that I got so jacked up about hunting strategy was when I got my very first lone wolf running gun portable tree stand hang on right with with the four sticks and I started implementing that running gun strategy I saw a lot more deer and I think this type of strategy using pre orbital pre orbital land scent and mock scrapes is going to be the next piece of the ever evolving puzzle that is hunting strategy for me uh, on the properties that I hunt and so you're going to hear me talk basically brainstorm my way through this idea what I'm going to do what I've learned from it so far and uh, hopefully that helps all of you if you are interested in starting to hunt near or work mock scrapes now I think that for, you know, not necessarily for the run and gun guy, but if you can find a really good location where you feel deer are going to be coming through, I think that this strategy would work well for both private and public ground. You know, you make a mock scrape. I mean, Troy Pottinger does it. He slays giants on uh, over mock scrapes every single year. And this guy has honed it down to a s- exact science and it works for him and I think that that information right there is worthy of testing out. And so I'm going to test it out this year. I'm going to put mock scrapes within shooting range of all of my uh, all of my tree stands and the goal is to get you know, get deer within shooting range. That's it. Deer within shooting range and get them in front of the camera so I can identify shooter deer and put a plan together for those shooter deer and it's pretty simple so again you're going to hear me talk about this Uh, other than that uh, you're going to hear me you're going to hear me talk a little bit about the five hour drive for three hours of shed hunting and there's no way anybody would ever talk me out of doing it again because uh, the, what we did find was so special uh, that uh, it, was, it was worth the, the long drive for the short shed hunt. So other than that, man, if you, could, if you guys could all do me a favor, and this is a business favor, right? Uh, if you could go over to the Full Sneak website, or not the website, the Full Sneak gear, the company that I own, if you could go to the Instagram page and follow that, just like you follow the nine finger chronicles, what that's going to do is it's going to help me reach a thousand followers. And I think at a thousand followers, then I can start to promote on Instagram and I can make, uh, ad advertising advertisements for the company and I can promote my, my business until I reach that. I can't do that. So I'm hoping that within the next, you know, if anybody hears this, if anybody uh, likes what I do, go over to Full Sneak Gear uh, Instagram page, follow it, like it, and then that's going to build me up to the point where I can start uh, making some more business moves. If you haven't already, go to fullsneakgear.com and check out all of the products that I that I offer. Uh, dude, the Slayer T. I got I got another one that I just put an order in uh, for, and that would be. What's it called? Oh, it's called the Full Sneak Fight Club t-shirt. And uh, I can't wait to share that with you. It should be available mid-March, all right? But go check out what we do have available, the Licking Branch tee, that's been a popular seller. The Slayer tee has definitely been a popular seller. And then equally has been all of the uh, other shirts that in the crew neck sweatshirt that the uh, Full Sneak gear has brought to the table including the only nine finger chronicles hat so fullsneakgear.com go check it out now we do have to do uh commercials for the other products as well and so if you're looking for a saddle saddled hunting accessories and then also stay tuned for a big announcement it's kind of leaked already but they're going to have tethered's going to have some really cool stuff coming to some retail stores uh wasparchery.com a discount code nfc20 for in my opinion some of the best broadheads on the market still a majority of their heads are american made and that's that's important you know if you if you listen to me on the hunting gear podcast i talk about how important that is uh, so wasparchery.com check out their their lineup of mechanical and fixed blade broadheads and then what else do we have we have vortex optics you know someone made a good point a while back and they said uh you know they have technology out there today that you don't need a pair of binoculars and a rangefinder anymore they put them together and Vortex has that, and I'm looking forward to picking that item up because it's going to make me more efficient. I will be able to have a, have one item instead of two. Okay, and so the I, I feel I really do feel like the traditional the, the traditional rangefinder, it's obviously going to have a place, but it's on its way out the door. When just like you know, just like cell cameras first took off, I feel it's going to almost be standard in any optic market that any optic brand is going to have to start selling a binocular with a rangefinder built in. And so I'm looking forward to that along with all of the other new products that uh, Vortex has to offer. And that's vortexoptics.com. You're going to hear me talk about Code Blue Sense today quite a bit because of this whole mock scrape idea that I'm messing around with. And uh, so I'm just going to say, codebluesense.com discount code nfc20 take advantage of that start stocking up on your mock scrape kits today and then going and uh implementing them where you hunt so uh, the woodman's pal is going to play a huge role in this as well because i'm going to be cutting out uh, trail camera lanes i'm going to be cutting out shooting lanes knocking thorns off locust trees whole bunch of stuff like that so woodmanspal.com go check them out awesome habitat tool uh, that you should keep in your pack or in your car especially if you're a mobile hunter and then last but definitely not least huntworth in my opinion huntworth has the best value for what you're getting in the hunting industry on top of that uh, as far as camo and layering systems they have a superb layering system they have everything you need for hot medium in extremely cold temperatures, right? Especially with their heat heat boost technology. So go check out all of the clothing at huntworthgear.com. And other than that, man, we should be done. Again, go go to the full sneak Instagram page, follow that for me. Go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast, leave a five-star review for the Sportsman's Empire and the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Other than that, we're good to go. Let's get into today's BS session slash mock scrape discussion right here, right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. And today I'm running solo. Um, I had some things happen this weekend that I, I really wanted to talk about when I went shed hunting. Uh, Check trail cameras on uh, on the property and what information I gain from those trail cameras. Okay, Uh, the first thing I want to I kind of want to talk about is is the shed hunt as a whole, right? And so I live I live quite a ways away from one of the farms, and when I mean quite a ways, I don't mean like eight hours, but it is a two and a half hour drive from where I live to this farm, and. Uh, it's a commitment to go there because we drove a total of five hours there and back in one day. And I think we only shed hunted maybe three hours. So it, it, three, three and a half hours. So we, we drove five hours to shed hunt three hours. And, um, it was, uh, it, it was exciting because my oldest daughter told me, Hey, I want to get up early. I want to go with you. And, uh, I'm glad I'm glad she did. And I'll talk about that here in a second. Okay. So it is important. Whenever you're hunting on a piece of property that you do not own, that you are crystal clear with the landowner. If he's the only landowner, he or she is the only landowner, what you have permission to do and and not to do, what others have the permission to do, and not to do, and, and know these things. All right. Because something happened this weekend and, um, I hope this doesn't backfire, but something happened this weekend. Uh, me and my daughter are driving on the property. Uh, at the time I thought that the guy who gave me permission was the only owner of the property. And from what I was told, I I was the only hunter supposed to be on the property. Now, That doesn't necessarily mean shed hunting or turkey hunting, from what I found out. That means uh, deer hunting, okay, bow hunting. And so, it was, I I pull into the property, and the first thing I see is a truck parked uh, on one piece of the property. And I'm like, hmm, this is strange, because I I thought that I was the only person that was supposed to have uh, access to this farm. And so... The first, and I'm not trying to get people kicked off farms, but it is important to know who these people are and what they're doing there, and who gave them permission, right? Because that goes against everything that, uh, you know, I, I've been told. All right, so I I see them, I approach them, and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? I introduce myself first. I give them my name. I give them the landowner uh, the landowner's name. I give them a ton of information. And then, you know, I said, you know, uh, what are you guys doing out here? And they're like, well, we're, we're here to shed hunt. I go, did you talk with this person? Uh, and they said, no, we talked to this person. I go, uh, well, I was under the impression that they sold their, their rights to this farm and that there's, there's only one landowner now. And so you got permission from someone who doesn't own it. I just want to be clear. And I just want to be concise on who you are, what you're, you know, what you're doing. So I can report this back to the landowner because he told me I'm the only person who's supposed to be out here. And I had a very cordial conversation with these people. They were very respectful. I was very respectful back. I didn't, you know, I didn't go, who the hell are you and what are you doing on my, on this farm, blah, blah, blah. And I'm glad I didn't because then I reached out to the landowner and the landowner said, well, I do own this property with other members of my family. And so that cleared up a lot of things and they got permission from another person in that family and so uh they 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 were confused i was confused they decided to leave i knew i could stay and so i shed hunted now in the past in the, or i guess in the future now i know hey if i if i check if i see people on trail camera especially during shed season or there's also a guy out there who's doing trapping some trapping that it's important to uh It's important to ask questions, not get mad at people and, uh, you know, get, make, make, just make sure for not only your safety, but for the safety of the, uh, the landowner for liability reasons and the safety of others that you're, you have these open lines of communication. Now, if I reached out, if, if these guys didn't give me any information, they didn't, they showed me a text message with this other family member who I didn't know about. And so it, it kind of made sense. Now, if these people were like, hey, man, we don't, you know, yeah, yeah we got permission. From who? Uh, from Randy. Well, there's no Randy. Uh, so you guys, did, do you have permission to be here? And then, you know, most of the time people say no and then they leave, right? Or they run away <laughs> or whatever the case may be. And so uh, I'm glad we we got that figured out. However, I'm also glad that they didn't shed hunt the property because uh, my daughter was in the car with me while this whole thing went down. Again, these guys these guys were very respectful. Uh, I was I sh- I you know shared that sentiment back to them, and we we talked it out. Okay, and so anyway, long story short, me and my daughter start to shed hunt. And it it was, she was excited. It was cold and she was dressed properly. And I think that is actually what made it a success is because I took time to prepare warm socks, two pairs of pants, uh, heavy, you know, a jacket with an extra sweatshirt, stocking cap, hood on it, you know. And so we were out there and she was comfortable. And I think that's one thing that maybe, Adults tend to overlook at uh, at certain times is how comfortable these kids are when when we take them out. Um, they can't handle the cold or the heat or uncomfortable, wet or you know maybe thirsty type situations where they're uncomfortable. We can tough it out a little bit, but kids they can't. And so it's uh, I, I was glad I took. You know the f- five extra minutes to go ahead and get these kids or get my daughter prepared for this hunt we got some snacks we got food and you know we got water we got comfortable boots and we're ready to go right and so we got there while i was while we were doing this the first the first thing i did before i i we really started shed hunting was i checked two trail cameras or well i didn't check them yet but i replaced batteries uh, clear, uh, formatted SD cards and got everything back to working order because my trail camera, uh, multiple trail cameras on that farm had stopped working. And so I needed to get out there. This was a multi-purpose trip, you know, shed hunting, obviously, but restock trail camera. Uh, I got all of them done except one. And I don't know why I look back and I go, why didn't I just take the extra five minutes and, because I had the time to go ahead and, and do do what I needed to get done but I did I do know that I'm gonna have another work day on that farm after what we talk about here in the next uh, couple minutes but anyway uh, so I checked some trail cams and we started shed hunting and God it was it just walking around the woods with my daughter was exactly what I needed and so I'm you know, I'm documenting some of this stuff for Instagram. And as I'm talking, I hear my daughter go, I found one, I found one. And pr- before she found this particular shed, she was going, I found one, I found one. And it was like a bone to a, a an old cow bone or an old deer bone or something like that. I'm like, oh, no, that's, that's a rib cage or that's a part of the spine or whatever it is. And I go, hold it up and she holds it up and it's a real shed and I was I got freaking jacked up dude I was jacked because at that moment when she found that shed it was even if it was just one shed is that's all we got it was worth the 5 hours of driving for her to find that shed now in the past I have brought sheds with me I've thrown them out in the woods and they get to find them themselves okay or and then I then they find them this was a real shed that I did not place and she found and she was jacked up about it. So I walk over there, we share that moment, right? I have her hold it up, look around, I say, "Hey, you know, deer have two antlers. Do you think he he dropped the other one around here too?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah, let's go look for it." And so we kind of f- followed the path that we were kind of on into this like grass grassy area that had no snow on it it looked dry and so i'm assuming that's where they're hanging out you know while they're either on their feet or they're bedding and sure enough we walked up to this one tines down and we couldn't tell from the distance you know how big it was but when my daughter went to go pick it up it was the match set of the shed that she found the first shed that she found And so the rule is, and I told her, I said, hey, shed hunting rules. Here's here's the shed hunting rules. You found the first one, right? I found the second one. And the rule is, whoever finds the first shed, if the second part of that uh, match set is found, that goes to the first person to find it. And I was pretty stoked, like, to give her that shed. And now she's got this matching set sitting in her bedroom. And uh, it's gonna be cool because that matching set was found by me and my daughter and I don't know what it is about uh, me these days but I'm kind of turning into a softy and I, I, I got a little bit emotional when we found that match set and I could see the excitement in her face and I could see that she was enjoying this moment. And that that made my heart skip a little bit of a beat, right? I don't want to sound like a puss here, but dude, my family is the most important thing. And second is hunting, okay? And when, my, when the first thing lines up with the second thing and I can do what I love and, and, and hang out with the people that I love, dude, that just, it means so much to me. That she took time out of, she could have just stayed home, played with her friends, and, you know, called it a day. She didn't have to drive five hours in a car with me to do this, but she did. And, dude, I was so jacked. I had to, like, turn my head a, a little bit and, like, wait for her to walk ahead of me and, like, wipe the tears out of my eyes. That's how that's how jacked I was for her to find, find these sheds. And... I I, I was thinking about it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably have an emotional breakdown the first deer she shoots. And so I was so happy. that we, We found that match set. It was the only thing that we found. The other thing that was really cool was teachable moments. These teachable moments. Not only education about the property for myself, but how deer move through terrain for my daughter, right? And so... Not only did she find this shed, but she was ahead of me a little bit. I was kind of letting her walk this narrow piece ahead of me, and me stay a little bit behind. And she goes, "Dad, Dad, come here." There was a light dusting of snow on the ground, and then there was the bare spots, and that was where these bedding, like these deer were bedding. And I ended up my, hearing my daughter go, "Dad, I, f- I found a deer bed," and I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's go over." And sure enough, she's down in the bed. She's picking up hairs. She's like, "Look at you know, Dad. This is, this is where these deer are sleeping." And there was like four or five uh, beds. I'm assuming it was a doe group. And uh, the cool thing was, I had this this strategy talk with her where I'm like, "Okay, see where these beds are located. They're kind of on a high point." They're kind of at the end of this high point so that the wind can blow over top of them on a west wind and they can see into the field or the pasture uh, and they can run away from the danger that they see. So this is why. And so I said, Ava, where do you think we are going to find the next doe beds? The next beds that we run across, where are we going to find them? And she points over there. Sure enough, there were three doe beds under this Osage orange tree, and I was, I was like, it, it, it made me happy that she understood, right? And this is gonna sound crazy, but in the hunting space, whether it's the industry or it is in the community, we have very like my demographic for this podcast is like ninety seven percent male. Okay, ninety-seven percent of the people that listen to the Nine Finger Chronicles are are men, right? Then we have three percent women, and of that three percent women, that could be men listening listening through their wives' accounts. I don't know, but oftentimes what you see it, with females in the hunting industry is you see somebody doing the work for them, and then they benefit from the rewards. Now I don't want to ruffle any feathers with that statement it's just the men are passionate about it that they're going and doing the all the work they're putting the tree stands up they're doing all this and then the woman comes along with them right nothing wrong with that i don't want my daughter to be like that i want my daughter when it's all said and done to feel comfortable and confident walking into a property and identifying deer sign and knowing how to go kill deer by herself, not reliant on anybody else, right? And so I don't want to shelter her. I want to make her work for it. Um, because what that does then is it builds that confidence and she doesn't need anybody else to go hunting. She can just pick up a tree stand. She can pick up a bow or a saddle or whatever and just go. She doesn't need anybody else. And I th- that's, that's my goal. And Now, that's a long journey because we just exactly started it, but ultimately I want my daughter to be able to do what I currently do, right? She's going to have to go through learning a learning period just like I did, but I didn't have anybody to educate me. I was doing all of this on myself, you know, by myself. So I'm hoping that I can mentor her enough to where she feels comfortable going and doing this. And so, uh, dude... I just I'm so excited for the next 10 years uh when when all my kids are starting to get old enough now to to go out and come with me and walk without getting so tired my youngest one he's 6 he's got short legs uh and so he's probably not quite ready for that yet my oldest son he is he'll be he'll be ready here this year to come out with me he had a uh he had a birthday party so he couldn't come with me but uh anyway uh, it, it was it's I'm, I'm really looking forward to that this next 10 years where my kids are starting to get excited about the outdoors they see me having excitement and that brings me excitement just like this upcoming uh turkey season I'm not even thinking about myself right now I'm thinking about trying to put my daughter in the best position to shoot uh, a tom right and so I, I got an idea where we're gonna go and uh, you know if she can we've gone last year we we got a tag it didn't work out we had some guys come on the farm to do some habitat work while we were turkey hunting and this year I, commu- I communicated with him and I was like hey listen my daughter and I will be here turkey hunting uh, this late season or the 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 youth season and uh basically just let them know right and so they're they're cool they're gonna stay off they're gonna stay off of it however uh so so I'm looking forward to that now while I was there I had just just kind of a, a we'll go back a little bit. I told myself last summer before the season started that I wanted to mess around with mock scrapes this year, and dude, I I set one. I set one, two, two. Yeah, I set two up on on this farm. I think I think I actually did three. Uh, there's one, two. And and so here's what I found. I put a trail camera over one of, one of them. Okay. And so I, I said, hey, I wanna I wanna test out these mock scrapes. I wanna see how well this ropadope system works. Uh, and and by the way, that ropadope system is from Code Blue Sense. All right. I do have a discount code for it. NFC two zero. And I hate to whore out, but it has a huge impact on what I will be doing moving forward. Okay. And so here's what happened. I I put a trail camera. It was not a cell camera over top of one of the rope so I could see what was coming to it just basically for an experiment, right? I didn't, I didn't know if all these deer were going to come to it. I didn't know if they were going to be spooked by it. I didn't know if they were going to be ignored, you know, ignore it. And so, um, I went and I checked the trail camera that I had put in front of a rope and I swear to God, it, what I saw on that that SD card blew my mind. It blew my mind. Every single deer, period, every single deer, and you've heard me talk about this in some of the commercials, but every single deer went and visited that mock scrape. Now, they didn't necessarily paw at the ground and, and pee in the, the mock scrape part of it, A lot of them came up, put their nose to the nose to the rope-a-dope, the the blue rope, and they just sniffed like they were curious of what this, what this scent was. Does, fawns, small bucks, mature old bucks, every single deer on the property came and visited this one specific field edge rope-a-dope that I had set up this mock scrape that I'd set up. And I'm going to tell you right now, I I am currently in the process of thinking and strategizing how I can put a rope a system or a mock scrape kit within shooting range of every one of my tree stands. Okay. And so here's what I'm thinking. Okay. First off, It's not like these are going to pull deer from, you know, 500 yards away into it. But what it's going to do is if you're in a tight pinch or if you're in a staging area or if you're in some kind of, I don't know, like a saddle or some place where deer congregate, right? And and that can be anywhere from the bed to food uh, line. Okay. Whether that's in a you know, you you put you put one up in a bedding area and during the rut, deer are gonna come down wind of it, they're gonna come in and they're they're gonna inspect it. If they walk by it, they're gonna inspect it. So I'm not looking to change their flow of movement. I am looking for them to come through an area, stop at the mock scrape within shooting range. And and so I had a couple tests. That I put out right I have I had this one it blew my mind then I went into the timber on a little dry bed crick crossing there's a predominant trail that crosses this it's right in where um, it's three three cricks come together or two two cricks come together streams cricks whatever you say and All the terrain flows down into this one point, and so I put a trail camera there, and I had a little leftover, um, I had some leftover of that uh, preorbital gel is what you rub on the rope, and I didn't rub it on a rope, but I rubbed it on this one stick that was kind of in the picture of my trail camera, and every deer that crossed that creek put their nose up on this branch and sniffed it. Okay, so what I'm thinking is for the for those guys who can't bait, they can't use mineral in their state. I don't know if this is legal in your state, but this preorbital gel, man, you put it on that rope-a-dope system. You put it in front of a trail camera and it will get you. It will. This is my experience. It will get you uh, inventory of the deer that live in on your property that are coming through said terrain features. Okay, so now here's what I here's what I need to do, right? I need to micro adjust one of my tree stands, multiple tree stands, to put myself in a position where they're coming through the pinch, and my wind is blowing out into a field that they that they're not going to be accessing, hopefully, and then. I need to put myself in this pinch. And between me and the pinch, I want probably a little bit closer to me than the end of the pinch. But within this shooting range, I'm going to call it 30 yards, 25, 30 yards. I'm going to put that mock scrape kit So, so set up. So every time a deer comes through there, they're going to stop and sniff. And so when I talk to Troy Pottinger, uh, he's the mock scrape king. He's been doing it for 20 years you know, 30 years, uh, what I've learned from him is deer will continue to come to these places and visit them, right? And then the next thing you know, their offspring comes and visits them and their offspring comes and visits them. And so what you have here is you have generational education that these deer are coming to smell this rope and they they do it. It becomes habit, right? Just like locking our doors at night before we go to bed, right? It's habit. You do it every single day. At this time, you go and you lock your doors. It's just like that. These deer are going to come through this pinch. They're going to stop. They're going to walk right to it. They're going to smell it. And little do they know, I'm going to have a tree stand there for them. Uh, (laughs) And so I think it's going to work. Like the amount of trail camera data that I got off of these off of off of these uh, mock scrapes, it blows my mind. What deer are there? Deer that I didn't see last year having the k- trail cameras in the same place. okay? And so um, that worked multiple occasions. I, I have one more farm that I haven't checked uh, trail cameras on yet, but I'll tell you this I'm I believe that these these uh, mock scrape, these mock scrape kits are gonna lead me, If, if, when I use them properly, and again, this is a learning process. So I I know I'm going to fail at some point. I'm going to do something wrong, but eventually the goal is to get these deer to come visit the mock scrape over and over and over again, feel comfortable in that area. And then when the pre-rut hits and they're on their missions, I'm going to be in a tree downwind of that mock scrape. And I'm going to put an arrow in a buck. I, I just have such a great feeling that they're going to continue to do this over and over and over again and uh, until I mess it up, right? And so uh, that's, that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about using these these mock scrapes. Um, the other thing that I noticed, and I think I just I've already said it, but when they come through, they're not pawing at the ground. They're not every deer, even during the rut or pre-rut from, I got, I got data from mid-October all the way to when I checked my trail cameras this last weekend. So here's, here's what uh, I found deer will come and they will investigate with their nose, but they may not work the scrape. They'll just come through. Sometimes a a buck won't even, he'll pee, but he won't even, he won't paw the ground, right? So what's this tell us? This tells us that just because you don't find any active scrapes doesn't necessarily mean that the area that you're looking for is is empty. There's no deer there, right? It doesn't look like this scrape's been hit, so I'm going to go move. Well, it could be. It could be hit. They're still coming through. They're still scent checking everything. And uh, man, I uh, it, it was it's eye-opening. And it just reiterates how deer use their nose, how important their nose is for them, how they communicate through scent and stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to be rocking and rolling. I'm going to be putting, even on my old farm that I've had for like 14 years, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna go set up a mock scrape kit within shooting range of of my stands. and I'm gonna put trail cameras over them. That's my new strategy. Uh, and then so sometimes, you know, I got these cell cams now in some of the God, like, especially on the one that's three three and a half hours away, I feel comfortable. All right, I got, a, I got a picture of a stud in the area, right? I still have three hours a three-hour drive to get to the... Or two-and-a-half-hour f- drive to get to the farm and then a three. So the likelihood of me being able to capitalize, capitalize on an instant cell cam pick on that farm is probably low because the deer, you know, in three hours are going to move a long way unless I get them somehow bedded down in a certain area. So, you know... you just imagine this scenario, you go ahead, you start to get a deer coming through a pinch, investigating the mock scrape on a daily basis. Maybe it's nocturnal and you're not quite ready to dive in yet, but a cold front comes through, right? And so depending on what your thoughts on are on early season cold fronts or just cold fronts in general, general throughout the year, it might be time to hop in the woods and take a crack at a deer on, on one of those cold fronts because you have the intel and what's providing the intel the mock scrape throw a cell cam on and you're going to start getting instant data on it all right and I mean that's that's the cheat code these days is the cell cam it's a cheat code and it lets you know what's on there right now and uh, and I take advantage of it I, I I haven't had the opportunity yet where I've killed a deer. From trail camera or from uh, cell cam data. I take that back from cell camera or from regular trail camera data. When I go and I check and I I find a pattern that a buck was on to 2020, I believe I did it. Where I checked three trail cameras, buck was on three trail cameras. I triangulated the position. I found what I believed was, was the area that he was running. And I did a run and gun setup and sure enough, He's, uh, he was, he was on that path and I, I crushed him. So with that said, uh, we know, we know trail cameras. And in my opinion, trail cameras are the tool that have had the biggest impact on hunting since, I don't, I don't even know the arrowhead or something like that, or th- you know, a strategy. Because what this allows you to do is allows you to go, oh, I'm not going to pass, I'm not going to shoot this, I'm going to pass this three-year-old and I'm going to shoot this stud, right? You hold out. The more time you spend in the woods, the more likelihood you're going to get a crack at a a target animal and you can do that through trail camera data and everybody does it these days. So uh, I am really looking forward to this new strategy, implementing it this summer. All right, so in Iowa you can put mineral out. I'm going to put a cell camera over mineral I'm going to definitely get intel from that and then I'm going to while I'm there I'm going to set up all my stands my mock scrapes all that stuff and uh, I'm going to put myself in a position where I can I can have some really 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 good uh, Encounters with deer and then document it. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know have my trail cameras right in these areas. So Okay. Now what? Um, I I think that's all I really want to talk about today. Uh, I feel like I'm excited for this upcoming season because I, I tested this method out. I got the, I got some good results and now I'm going to implement them on a broader scale, on a broader scale. This upcoming season, right? And that's that's what you do in any in any case. You test something out. Does it work? Does it not work? Maybe it worked so well that you want to implement it, like what I'm talking about, or it failed and you didn't necessarily get the results, so you don't do it again, or you make an adjustment and you see if something else works. But uh, with the preorbital gel and how I've used it with the Rope-A-Dope system, I will continue to. I will continue to, to do that and expand that, that method of hunting and that strategy on all of my, uh, on all of my hunts. Now, the only, this is, this is more for rut funnels. Now, anytime I do a run and gun and I need to get into a place, uh, tight, you're, you're, you're using the terrain, right? as the determining factor of the deer moving in through an area and maybe some trail camera data that, Oh, this deer comes through here. Now, I don't know how well the mock scrape will work on a, maybe if you just throw some preorbital gel within shooting range of your, or maybe some urine or some I don't know. Um, on the, the, I, th- I think that the key here or the the winning factor is the preorbital gel, not necessarily the the urines and things like that. Uh, just because I'm not seeing a ton of deer scrape up, they're always sniffing, but they're not always pawing up the dirt and, and urinating in the scrape. So uh, I don't know how well it would work on a, a run-and-gun because your scent is still fresh on that. Uh, and so maybe if you put it on a branch... And not necessarily set up a ropeadoe system or, or some kind of uh, preorbital gel uh, there on the first on the first time. Maybe you just rub it on a branch. I think I think it might slow them down, especially if they come on the trail that you think they're going to come on. It may just they may stop, put their nose in the air, and that might give you an opportunity to get a crack at them, slow them down, and 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 shoot them without having to stop them. And you know, what, what else is going to be involved? I mean you're gonna to have to shoot your trim shooting lanes. You're gonna to have to or find pockets to where you can shoot through branches and stuff like that. And uh, uh, can't wait can't wait to do that. But um, cell cameras, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Cell cameras, shed hunting. Oh by the way, shed hunting. When I was checking my trail cameras as of uh, Sunday, of this past weekend, I would say about sixty percent of the deer on this farm were still holding antlers. Uh, there were a couple bucks that I noticed that were completely shed. They were giants, but uh, we couldn't find their sheds on uh, on this property. But it's uh, I might try to finesse another weekend down there. The only bad part is, is it start it starts to get crazy here pretty soon. And, uh, I think I have, I have the opportunity of going to the Iowa deer classic again. You know, I, I I try to go there every year. However, I want to go and every year I I find myself wanting to go, but then regretting not going shed hunting. And so I wish I, I, kind of hope I, I kind of hope I go shed hunting at least one more time this year. I just don't know when my daughter has wrestling, uh, not this weekend. She's got six more practices before the state championship, uh, and uh, and her goal is to place, not win. Because let's be honest, some of these girls are savages. I mean, some of these kids uh, wrestling these days, they are pulling off moves that I didn't, I don't even know about, right? And so uh, she, her goal is to win a couple matches. She doesn't want to lose, lose. That's all she cares about. I want to place that they, they have eight first through eighth place and that's her goal and i think there's probably going to be 30 32 girls or something like that in her bracket and uh it's going to be a great experience for her is she going to win proud no she's not she doesn't have that skill set yet but it's going to get her a ton of experience and and uh and so i can't go shed hunting on those on that weekend but uh maybe that weekend after if i decide not to go to the the Iowa Deer Classic. I can, I can do that. But I love going to the Deer Classic. Lots of friends there. Um, I, I, I run into people that I know. I went to high school with. Uh, we, you know, we catch up, and uh, it's, it's a just it's so fun to go and look at all the racks and and the new products, and catch up with people that you haven't seen in a long time, and, and you know their stories and, and whatnot. So, all right, I am done talking short episode hopefully this was beneficial to you hopefully we caught up enough and uh i will say this if you haven't tried a mox great setup of some sort right i can obviously i can say go check out code blue sense robo system but there's other there's other products out there as well that you can go and check out Go go mess around with it. If you have an extra trail camera or, or or, you just want to test to see if deer come up and sniff it, don't hang the rope up. Get the preorbital gel. Rub it on a branch in front of your trail cameras. Rub it on the actual... Rub it on the, the tree where they scrape. or Excuse me, where they make rubs. Just check it out. Just check it out. And I think you would be surprised on... What, what you see. So, good vibes in, ladies and gentlemen. Good vibes out. If you're going to be in a tree, wear your safety harness. And I think I can already hear the turkeys gobbling. We're getting close to turkey season. I'll talk to you next time.